Up First achieves the rare one-two punches of being short and thorough, national and international, fact-based and personable. Every morning, we take the three biggest stories of the day and explain why they matter. And we do it all in less than 15 minutes. So you can start your day a little more in the know than when you went to sleep. Listen now to the Up First podcast from NPR. Nuclear. Now, is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to your Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell. This episode uh, hitting a couple of days before Christmas. So Merry Christmas, Kathy Petrus in Armia, Spain. And gracias, or felices fiestas, as we say here. Oh, is that yeah. how you say it? Yeah, you don't do feliz navidad as much. You've got um, what is it? Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve is, uh, is it feliz buena buena dia? I think buena dia. I could be wrong. And then Christmas Day is Feliz Navidad, but pretty typically you just go around saying Felices Fiestas. Oh, that's kind of nice. I Happy like it. holidays. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I like it. And Ross Petrus in Toronto, how do you say Merry Christmas there, Ross? Well, there was an interesting little survey that was done quite recently, and 52% have no concern about whatever you say, 32% like Merry Christmas, and 16% say Happy Holidays. So take your pick. Yeah, I'm surprised Happy Holidays is so low, I guess. Canada, it's funny because coming from the States to Canada, I've heard a lot more Merry Christmases in Canada than I did in the States. Mm -hmm. I tend to say, because we're we're in a very, very uh, diverse area. T Toronto is like everyone. So I tend to say Happy Holidays because you... You know, who you know, you meet many, many different kinds of people here. I'm still with the hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> that, that works for most of the year, I think. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Although there's another poll that says Merry Christmas is now preferred. Who knows? Well, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Uh, we are a couple of days before Christmas. So it's, today we're going to talk about holiday words. And I guess before we get started, though, we had a question from a listener of ours, Duff. Duff said, quote, I'm writing if two world, world leaders meet on a bridge and shake hands to end a border dispute, should X, the, the, one of the world leaders, be ceremonially or ceremoniously doing such? Ceremonially meeting or ceremoniously meeting? Fletcher, what do you think? Quickly. I think quickly. Uh, I think it would probably be Sarah. Well, it, ceremonially. Uh, is is what I think um, they would be doing. Ceremonious seems like it's a kind of gesture rather than one that refers to actual ceremony. Very, you know, Fletcher, I'm very impressed with you as usual, I might add. Ceremonially is literally describing an action that's part of a ceremony. Ceremoniously is is much more of a um it's it's about the gesture itself it's it's making it's it's a formal gesture you're doing it's 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 less i guess there's less import oddly enough somehow don't you think ross yes i think that's that's definitely the difference and let's see if fletcher can get an extra 10 points Ooh. if <laughs> what's another use of ceremonially in a meaning a different meaning Ooh. than what we just described Ooh. okay Hmm. I might have to leave this 10 points on the table. Um, okay, Fletcher, it, I, I can't blame you. This is sort of a, you'll know it as soon as we tell I'm you. I'm disappointed, but... Ross. I'm disappointed. <laughs> but this is an interesting one because, I mean, it's you'll know it immediately when we tell you. But 
I didn't think of it off the top of my head either. The dictionary, I think it's Britannica, said, in addition, ceremonially, let's, 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 let's add this a little more, ceremonially has a second meaning in a way that lacks real power or influence. Now, can you give me an example, Fletcher? Five points only, I'm sorry. Five, uh, uh, cause, cause that, that, hint, that hint took off five points. Um, that lacks any real importance. Power or influence. Power, yes. power or influence. I have like a feeling, you know, like maybe you're 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 the figurehead for something, but I, I can't I can't quite place it into a sentence. Okay, I'm gonna give you a quick one more final little thing. A sword is now being used ceremonially. Right, you're not using the sword to kill people. Well, Ross is right into yeah. that. Yeah, 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 so yeah. We're <laughs> give him a point, Kath. Half a point, Fletcher. Okay. I will not. Yeah, I probably don't deserve <laughs> any points. Put down. <laughs> yes, that was correct. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's in that sense, it's it's only as part of ceremony. So the swords that that was the example um, are only used ceremonially. They they really don't mean anything. It's just that they're not going to be used to cut off some. They're props, head. really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, props is a good word. Interestingly enough, and this is still in Britannica because that's where I found this. Um, it says that neither ceremonially or ceremoniously is used as frequently as the word unceremoniously. Which, you know, you just do, you know, you're not being careful, you're not being polite, you're not being formal in any way. But then I thought about it, and it's true, because I rarely use either um, ceremoniously or ceremonially, but I do use unceremoniously in language. Don't you guys? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I certainly, it's certainly clear to me that I don't really use ceremonial or, or ceremoniously, but I'm rarely talking about ceremonies. But yeah, unceremonious is something I would use at least a little more often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I found interesting, Ross. Now, because now you immediately Fletcher said ceremonially. When I saw this sentence, I said to Ross, "I would use ceremoniously." Because hmm. to me, ceremonially, I just I don't I, I a have never used in my life. I don't think. And B, it just seems so contextual to a ceremony qua ceremony. But I mean, given the the sentence we gave Fletcher, two world leaders meeting on a bridge shaking hands and ending a border dispute uh, to in retrospect with Fletcher, because I agreed with you, Kath, initially ceremoniously, but it sounds like that's a ceremony right. to me. Yeah, but I, I still like ceremoniously better. Kath, let's go talk to the leaders and find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I'm king of the world, <laughs> I will use ceremoniously in that instance. Well, I mean, it, technically they could be doing both, couldn't they? I mean, ceremonially, yes. it, is, it is a ceremony, so it is literally ceremonially, but they could be doing it with sort of a grand gesture, something that you would call, See, call a ceremonial gesture. See, that's what I picture. I think yeah. like a, a flourish, right. like a big, a big thing. Yeah. It's like, whoa, I'm shaking his hand. You know what I mean? <laughs> As world leaders do, yes. <laughs> this is probably why I am not yet the head of the world. Yet, yet, yet being the operative word there. You know, yet was interesting. I, know. I have plans. I have you, plans. You better get moving there, though, kid. I think you go. <laughs> oh, you know, I've been busy, Ross. I've been very busy. Well, let's unceremoniously now move on to the holidays. And the, we're going to open with a personal rant. And I don't know if you feel the same way that Kathy and I do, Fletcher, but we're talking, we've talked about it before. And Kath said, let's bring it up again. And I agreed. We're talking about gift as a verb instead of oh, give. Oh, what's boy. your attitude? Yes. 
Oh, I wish I could remember. I just saw a sentence the other day that was so horrible. It was like, here are the toys you should never gift to children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, Okay, so I didn't click through because why would I? But it really seems like you could probably just say give there, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, unless it's un- unless it's fine to give it to them, but not to give it to them as a gift. What kind of sense mm-hmm. does that make? But yes. Oh, that does because you get I mean, you give someone you give someone a cold. I mean, you're not gifting them a cold. I mean, you're giving them a cold. You would never say gift. I mean, That's it's an really unusual gift. Yeah. I like that, Ross. I'm going to use this example a lot. <laughs> so I mean, gift has gift has a definitely. I mean, in a weird way, gift is ceremonious in a way, is a ceremonious and ceremonial thing. Giving a gift is a formal idea of giving someone, a, you know, a present. I think that giving, is true. You can give people everything. But I also think it's used way, way, way too often. I hate I, the word. In this I case, agree. I, I would prefer people just use more words. I would prefer people just say, give a gift. Give a gift or give mm. a present. Yeah. I agree with you. But I like that's give like, a I mean, present. Give a gift yeah. is, is, is just not euphonious to me, but okay. But it's okay. Or give me a toy car. Yes. I mean, the thing that gets me, and I, I know we've done, we've talked about this before. This is my huge bet noir, but it, it drives me insane. It just does. It's like, because you end up with more, gift him a wallet. Gift yeah, I hate her, that. you know, diamond earrings. It, it, it sounds so clunky. It just sounds mm-hmm. bad. It's just like give, give is so much. And then the example you just had, you know, vaguely Fletcher, when they add like 89 words to do gift in there really drives me insane. Mm-hmm. I, it's just, I, I find it so ugly. I, I don't understand what's wrong with give. That said, I think we've got to get used to it. I think it's it's here to stay. I hear it. I see it and hear it more and more. And I think it's definitely going to going to become... Oh, I mean, at the holiday season, I see it much more than give. I never yeah. see give anymore, unless it's give from a cold, like you said, Royce. I mean, frankly. Yeah, and it's interesting, though, because the OED will have, like, hundreds of examples, 1,500, 1,600, 1,700. But I do not recall this really being used until, like, the past 15 or 20 years. Did it was Seinfeld. Thing? It was the re-gifting yeah. thing. That really... Yeah, re-gifting thing, yeah. Because that's when, from that point on, forget it. I mean, it was always gift. Yeah. I, th- I, think I like right. regift though. I think that's a wonderful word. <laughs> right. <laughs> regift is. Regift has a real meaning and a purpose. Right. It's, it's mm. a definitely good. I agree with you. Well, let's move on to deck the halls with boughs of holly. Did we? We've done deck before, haven't we? D- uh, I don't remember. You know, it's been a few years since we did any real okay. holiday celebration here on the podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with us? We've been Scrooges. Okay, Fletcher, <laughs> what is the origin of deck? Deck the halls. What does that mean? I mean, we know what it means. It oh, I could sing this now if that'll get don't. you to the mood, Fletcher. <laughs> the origin. Where does it come from? I don't remember this. I mean, decking the halls, I guess, is to uh, adorn the halls. Yes. Correct. But, where does, okay. where does it, but why, why adorn? Why deck? I mean, why, does it... why deck? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't remember this. Let's take a wild guess. Let's see if Kathy knows. <laughs> why? I believe, Ross, that the English <laughs> verb deck comes from the Dutch decken, <laughs> meaning to cover. <laughs> Am I right? Yes. The top <laughs> of Kathy's head, I think. <laughs> the most interesting one, though, to me, was we have Deck the Halls with Boughs of Holly, right? 
Mm-hmm. We also have Dawn. But I want to finish Deck for a second. Mm-hmm. Sure. Deck initially, I mean, we go to Decking the Halls, um, which is nice and rustic and holly trees and blah, blah, blah. But it initially was uh, the whole nautical thing, which is makes more sense because it came from covering the side to side over part of a ship, uh, a deck, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. So then, I mean, which makes more sense then. Yeah, especially as I often like to point out. Because uh, it's covering. Yeah, we get so many of our words from nautical terms. Um, mm-hmm. It's so strange. But yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense. Also, you know, I mean, it, we use it even more now to like, say you decked out your car or you're yep. decked out your living room we say deck mm-hmm. out a lot more now rather than just deck but you're right actually i know you're right it's deck out yeah deck out yeah which interesting enough leads to another word in that same carol dawn mm-hmm. dawn, dawn we now are gay, gay apparel. apparel what does dawn come from fletcher this is really cool i didn't know this oh i i don't know either i i now that you've asked that i want to say it's something like french um but that doesn't make a lot of sense because donner was is to give, right, rather than to put on. Yes, it could be French if you said do on. Du, it comes from do on. Do on. <laughs> do on. Really? Do on. Yep. Isn't that fascinating? So like to, to don something, to put it on, is to do it on. So I'm going to yes. do on my hat or do on yep. my Like put apparel. on, in effect. Yeah. Okay, now what's the opposite of don, Fletcher? Uh, take off. How many points um, does he get doff, for this, Ross? Doff! <laughs> yes! 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 <laughs> 20 points for that. Are you do, kidding, do Ross? Do off! <laughs> oh my gosh, really? Yep. It is do off, do on. <gasps> wow! Right. Isn't that amazing? Yeah! And now, Fletcher, you're going to put a... This is really... Uh, this is old Middle English. You're going to put an ornament on the top of the tree. And this is... What are you going to do? Oh. <laughs> put an ornament on the top yeah, of the tree. What are you uh, talking about? Going to <laughs> you're le- you're you're reaching to put the uh, ornament on the top of the tree. I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do. I'll give you a clue. It's do up or dup. That dup? didn't last. Though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what about do down, Ross? Do down? down. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I should look that up. <laughs> I like dup. So I I'm too. dupping the star on the tree. Yeah, Ooh, I, I like so. this. We have a bear on our tree, but yeah. I can say I dumped the zombie bear on the top of the tree. I like <laughs> yeah. this. Dup. The next word is not is is slightly holiday related, but it's seasonal because we're getting closer to winter. Mm-hmm. The word is winter. Now we have a question for you. What do you think this is close to? What is the closest of the four words we're going to give you in its original meaning? Cold. White, damp, or dark days. Ooh, dark dark days. I want to go with dark dark days. It's probably damp, but I want to go with dark days. Gosh, Fletcher, you're wrong about dark days. <laughs> <laughs> you are right about damp. <laughs> okay, see see what I did there. I, I chose two things, and yeah. <laughs> and let's be fair, though it might be. The one problem always with doing words is you never really know. I mean, there's not like a great book in the sky that has this is the word. Because it also could be one other guess is it's related to the Gaulish vinde, old Irish white. Mm. But the original Proto-European, Indo-European word gaim, which somehow became white. So could <laughs> be wrong and you could be. Yeah. 
So you could be wrong, could be white. Could be white, I was going to say, could be right. <laughs> but I love this. The Anglo-Saxon is, as an adjective in Old English. I'm, I'm going to, I can't pronounce this. Ross is better at meeting these things. The Anglo-Saxons counted their years in winters. And the word winter sireg meant either winter sad or sad with years. So then you're getting into that whole thing with seasonal affective disorder, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the, but I like the evocative of that though. Winter sad, or sad with years. That sounds like a, you picture some old person, you know, like next to a fire in a in a kind of medieval fen or something. Yeah, or it sounds like one of those like sort of bodice ripper romance novels. Well, there could it? be like, that you know, like too. A... <laughs> we see our preferences in <laughs> like reading here. Woman. And I like that word. Okay, let's quickly go to another quickie. Um, hibernate. What do you think this is comes from? Hibernate. Um, is it related to what's well, is it related to Hibernia? Yes. Hibernus. Wintry. Okay. Latin. You're right. Hibernus. The interesting thing about this word was I thought it was much older, but apparently it was uh, Charles Darwin's grandfather, Erasmus Darwin, who wrote a really weird poem. I remember I had the old book at one point on uh, animal life. But anyway, he basically started describing it. Oh, wow. As animals hibernating or hold, you know, holding down their metabolism. I thought it would. I thought the word would be, I knew the Latin word, so I thought it was, you know, hibernate would be ancient. ancient. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the origin, I thought, I mean, I thought people thought about it a lot. Yeah, you would figure. Really? That's interesting. So it's only mm-hmm. a few hundred years old, even though it comes, mm-hmm. I mean, the word it comes from is In the grand scheme of things, yeah, which yeah. is really weird. Huh. Uh, the weird thing to me is, like, people in medieval times were much closer to animals, so they must have known that, like, bears went into caves. So what did they say? They guess they said they're doing winter sleep <laughs> yeah. or something, you know? Or they're going into the cave. Some other yeah. word. Yeah. There yeah. it goes. In the cave it again. Yep. Oh, it's in the cave. <laughs> Don't go in that cave. What do, you, what do you mean hibernate? It's in the cave. Who needs <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> um, this is, we're going to do this really quickly because I want to get to the family discussion in a second. <laughs> Um, yeah. Since we're doing. Yeah, why don't we just let's go to the family discussion because. Okay. Now we're going to go on to quickly uh, the night before Christmas and all through the house, blah, 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 blah. On. Okay. We go to the reindeer. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. So now in the original poems, go on. On Prancer, on. What was it? Dasher, on, on Dancer, on Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen. Very good. Okay. Now what did you say? Wait, repeat the last. Couplet. Uh, Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen. Okay. There we go. Donner and Blitzen. So uh, a family member, actually Randy's son, my husband's son, my stepson, put up a joke about uh, the Donner party <laughs> having to do with the, with the, <laughs> it's a very tasteful one. <laughs> no so pun intended. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. But, um, so Ross's wife commented and said, it's a funny joke, but the the reindeer's name is Donder, not Donner. Uh-huh. So she said that was from the German. And then Kathy's husband said it was from the German. And then, Kathy? Ross and I said it is from, Ross said it is from the Dutch. And I said it is from the New York Dutch, which is a specific And it was Dunder Dutch. originally, or oh. Dunder. It was Dunder and Blixum. Yes. Wow. 
Isn't that cool? It's Isn't Dunder, cool? D-U-N-D-E-R, and Blixem, B-L-I-X-E-M, which means thunder and lightning in New York, in the New York sort of slightly bastardized Dutch. Mm-hmm. Well, so where did these names come up first for reindeer? From Santa. Santa. <laughs> oh yeah what was i thinking <laughs> santa speaking new, new york dutch apparently <laughs> yes <laughs> well i guess what i mean is i mean you said originally it was dunder and blixem originally in what originally in in uh the poem in, in the original okay. poem. in the what's original poem what's his name clement Clark Moore. Right. Wasn't that his name? Yes. It was originally Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Dunder, Blixem. That was the first time. So why why did we change it if it's obviously there right in the poem? Oh, I think it happens just because because we, we basically, Blixem doesn't sound very English. Oh, Blixen he changed could... it though first. He kept changing okay. it. Oh, he did? Okay. He reminds me of you, Ross, who keeps editing. He kept yes, editing. Yes, he does. He does sound like a person after my own heart. I agree. Yeah, he, he wrote it. He wrote it then. Uh, he wrote it then for a friend, and he changed it to Donder and Blitzen. Donder is standard Dutch for thunder, and Blitzen is also sort of closer to standard Dutch, hmm. and it helped it rhyme with Vixen more than Blixem. So he was like, you know, finessing. And then um, it got collected as Donder and Blitzen. And Donner was in the 20th century after he died. I don't know who it was. Some editor was like, Donner? Now it's Donner. You know, and that was it. Wow. That's interesting. I didn't know that latter part of it at all. So now we all say Donner as in the party that we didn't want to attend. But um, it was really up until, I mean, as far as Moore was concerned, it was Donder. Hmm. As in Thunder. That's interesting. Yeah. Let's go. Let's quickly do Jack Frost. This one is sort of interesting. There's a lot of debate, Fletcher. Where did Jack Frost nipping at your nose? Right. And so far here, we're having a really warm winter. He's not whipping at anyone's nose outside. (laughs) But where do you think it came from? And I'll tell you something. If you don't know, join the club. No one does. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, then I guess I don't know. It's. I always figured (laughs) it was, uh, you know, another one of those... Maybe not quite folktale things, but some, but something that somebody made up in the 1800s to sound like a folktale. You know what I mean? That You're kind of on it, I think, because um, they say it's an, a Norse, you know, legend. Jokel Frosty. Like, I'm not pronouncing it. How, did, how would you say it Norsically, Ross? Norsely. Uh, it sounded Jokel pretty good to me. Frosty. I mean, I'm not great at <laughs> okay. My old so Norse like, is sort of rusty. <laughs> I'm in Spain. We don't talk like this. A wicked frost giant. And he was ice and snow. Jokel Frosty. But that's sort of one of those uh, folk etymologies. Mm-hmm. One idea also, though, is that Jack like has a common, um, you know, like Jack Tar, Jack O'Lantern is Jack of the Lantern. It's a British, it's an old British. Uh, thing for lad or guy or fellow so there people wonder if in a way it just became from frost and someone said oh jack frost the guy is here with frost or something like that yeah that makes more sense to me yeah what gets me though is that you've got a bunch of others you've got grandfather frost i don't understand i'm sorry i'm just thinking the first time you found jack frost i was just looking right now was in 1734 mm-hmm. and we all know him pretty much from chess no oh, it's roasting on an open fire but the the whole the whole idea is frank it's amazing the power of literature 
because the basic idea of how it really got cemented into into our consciousness, they said here, was from uh, the guy who wrote The Wizard of Oz, Frank Baum. Oh, wow. He wrote a story called The Runaway Shadows, a trick of Jack Frost. And uh, he's like a little mischief guy, and he uh, uh, freezes kids' shadows, which is sort of cool, actually. Oh, gosh, because I remember that. The Frost King. Was it the, yeah. the Frost King? That's yeah. Sort of yeah, it's fun. I like that. I don't know. I kind of like... Yakul Fristo or whatever the hell Yokul Frosty. Yokul yes. Frosty. Yeah, Here it is. Yokul Frosty. Like <laughs> yeah, I like that too. That sounds cooler. I'm sorry. Frost King. It does. Sorry. Yeah, no. I think that, that I, I'm going to go with the Yokul Frosty. Yokul Frosty. Well, yes, Yokul like means icicle. Frosty means fro- frost. <laughs> frosty icicle. That's one that you tell kids about to scare them when it's you know, when the sun's going down and it's dark and cold. Yeah, yeah. local frosty will get you like the Krampus or That's something. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, actually, we're running we're running low, so we're going to finish on a last word, which is perhaps a little bit inappropriate, but the partridge in a pear tree. Mm-hmm. The word <laughs> this partridge. is Ross's favorites. I couldn't believe this. I did. I know the word, uh, the Greek word we're going to, oh, I shouldn't have given up, but partridge is related to what word? This bothered my wife. She kept going, I don't, doesn't make any sense, but Let's, let me ask you this. This is this is etymologically everyone says it, so it's not speculation. To partridge, degree. partridge is related to a word for pear tree. Well, that's a good that's a good guess. <laughs> I have no guess beyond that. Okay, this is very unchristmassy in that sense because the word a partridge in a pear tree comes from the Latin word perdix and from the Greek word perdix, and the word refers to. Basically, it comes from a word in Greek meaning perdiste, which literally means to break wind or to fart. What? Partridge. Means <laughs> Isn't that to... amazing? Ross that flipped incredible? out when he found this out. He was like, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> it's a reference. They're saying it's a reference. Oh, my wife said that can't be true, but it's a reference to the whirring noise of the bird's wings, <gasps> breaking wind. Wow. And... Although, I know. I'm do I'm sorry. I'm going to be a little vulgar, but what the hell? When a, I have never thought of a flapping of a bird's wings to sound like a fart. Have you? Well, I think here's what happened. I think it means literally breaking wind. So you have like two different kinds of breaking. This is my theory: uh-huh. breaking wind. <laughs> you have the bird taking flight, and you hear that flappy wind sound. And then you have someone, mm-hmm. you know, farting. And the base of the word is from the proto-indo-european and the base of the word is p-e-r-d paired to break wind now think about it the p and the f change that happens a lot in german and in english the p becomes an f so you have the german word paired becomes furzen or the old norse freta and the middle english farten so in one case <laughs> and a farting in a pear tree yes. Yes. <laughs> i don't know and, it doesn't move and me. that's <laughs> the end of 2023 <laughs> you're saying it wrong is part of the NPR Podcast Network and is produced by me, Fletcher Powell, in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus records from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. Our digital team is Beth Golay and Carly Cooper. 
If you like what we're doing here on the show, please tell everyone you know and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can email me at powell at kmuw.org or email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross's other books pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And a number of their books are also available on audiobook, read by the authors themselves. Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can find out more about what they're doing at their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.